0: Hello and welcome to Foundation Stones from Refuge City Church. Having a solid foundation for our walk with Jesus Christ is vital for every Christian, especially in the times we live in. Through God's Word, candid conversations, and everyday application, the aim is to help you build your foundation so you can stand strong for God every day. Buckle in and prepare your heart. Pray this, God, ready my heart for your truth that I might be more like you. We hope today's episode empowers you to grow in your walk with Jesus. Let's dive in. Have you ever bought something and you had an expectation of what it was going to be like and what it was going to accomplish and it just didn't come up to the standards that you had set in your mind and in your heart. You were just so disappointed. You spent this money, you took this time and it just didn't work. There's nothing more frustrating than that. You know, we expect that the things that have a title attached to them and an expectation of a job assignment will do what it is that they're supposed to do. And you know, in the same way, we as believers, we as Christians, should also live up to the name that we profess, and and that's what we're going to talk about today. Hi, I'm Jim Weaver. I am the worship and the administrative pastor here at Refuge City Church. I am your host for Foundation Stones, and I am so excited to be with you again today. We're in a series on the fruit of the Spirit, and today we're going to be talking about the fruit of goodness. I want to encourage you, if you've not been a part of our previous teachings on the fruit of the Spirit, you want to go back and listen to those. But for context, today we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, and we're starting in verse 22. It's a very familiar portion of scripture to many of us. We've actually spent the last couple of weeks even talking about the scriptures that come before that, that talk about the works of the flesh, so that we can compare and contrast them with the fruit of the Spirit. But we're not going to do that as much today, as we're just going to get right into the next fruit of the Spirit, which is goodness. So let me read this for you, and then I'll give you a little bit of a review, and then we're going to dive in to the fresh content today. So Galatians 5, it says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And so what I've been laying out for us before, and I hope that this is something that's just beginning to resonate and get deep down in your spirit, is that this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, first and foremost. It's it's His fruit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. And there's a really important reason why I keep emphasizing that, because it's really easy for us to get real super religious about things like this and just try to force the fruit out of our life you know, we've we've actually connected to the vine which is Christ. We've got to be the branch that's connected to the vine so that Jesus can get God's word from the root <laughs> to the fruit. And sometimes we try to do that in our own strength. And and we can do that sometimes. And and we can usually do it when things are easy in our life. But as soon as the wheels fall off the cart, as soon as we have national turmoil, or we've got a situation in our family, or in our marriage, or in a relationship of some kind, and things get really hard, that's when our self-made attempts at producing fruit just fall short. And so it's important for us to remember that we've got to be connected to the Spirit of God. We've got to be connected to the vine, to Jesus, so that we have a conduit through which to flow the good things of God. We can't force it to happen, we've got to be in relationship for it to happen. So that's point number one, that's really important for us to continue to remember today. So how do you get the fruit of the spirit? You get with God, you spend time with him, you cultivate a relationship with God, not just a relationship with a religion, that's empty, that's meaningless, that's just a form without any power. But can I tell you today, when you connect with Jesus, you're connected with God, you're connected with the power from on high, and you will produce authentic fruit of the Spirit. You see, it's because the fruit of the Spirit is what we overflow to other people. This is the public fruit, the low-hanging fruit that hangs over the fence into the public square that can be tasted by the curious and even by the desperate or the hurting. In fact, when we look at the first part of the fruit of the spirit and it's defined as love, and then of course we've got the eight other attributes of the fruit of the spirit, we can see that Jesus was very emphatic that this is the way that people will recognize that the message we carry, that the name that we live by, that the relationship we have with Jesus is authentic. He said in John 13 verse 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love. For one another. And so we manifest these fruits as an authentic designation of who we follow. It's the real meal deal because the fruit coming off my life is authentic. It's real. It's coming from God. It's the fruit of the Spirit defined by love that will truly demonstrate to the world that the message we carry is real, that it's authentic. The message of Jesus Christ and his salvation, his goodness, that's why it's got to be his fruit and not our cheap imitations. We can all fake the fruit of the spirit in our flesh when life is easy, like I said, but when it's hard, when things get tough, we'd better be connected with the vine ahead of time in order to overflow with the spirit of God. You see, it's an anomaly to the world when they see the people of God truly operating the way the Bible says we should. It draws attention. It it actually creates a question in people. What does this person have that I don't have? And how can I get it too? And so today I want to talk about the sixth fruit of the Spirit. The sixth fruit of the Spirit is the, the fruit of goodness. So again, Galatians five twenty two, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. So as I was studying out kindness from last week's podcast and then goodness to this week's podcast, it's interesting because these two words can actually come from the same Greek word. But I actually found that goodness has a little bit different definition here. So goodness in the Greek out of Galatians 5.22, it's actually the Greek word agathousenei. Agath which means uprightness of heart and life. Goodness, or Kindness. In fact, it means inherently good. Intrinsic goodness as relating to believers. And interestingly, this Greek word in the Bible is not found in secular Greek language, according to the research that I did. It's actually unique to Christianity. It means the goodness that comes from God and shows itself in spiritual, moral excellence, or virtue. Listen to that again. It's the goodness that comes from God and shows itself in spiritual moral excellence or virtue. You will live with spiritual moral excellence. It's a goodness that God gives that shows itself in spiritual moral excellence or virtue. So let's key in on this definition for just a second here. Uprightness of heart and life, moral excellence, and virtue. So what is virtue? Virtue is a word we don't use very often in our common everyday language, but virtue is literally defined in the dictionary as behavior showing high moral standards, behavior showing high moral standards, standards meaning that you've got an actual compass by which you're living your life. And then behavior, I think is an important word right here. As I looked at this definition and saw the word behavior I realized that behavior is not just an inward intentions. You know, we all have good intentions. We all want to be a good person, but behavior means that it is our outward display or our lifestyle. It's our behavior. It's what people see our lives living like because of what we believe on the inside. What happens on the inside becomes a behavior on the outside. This speaks to our motive. It speaks to our integrity, which is always on display. We don't get an out when we walk through dark times. The goodness of God as the fruit of the Spirit should be manifesting all the time. Every day, from the moment we wake up to the moment we put our head on our pillow, the goodness of God as the fruit of the Spirit should be manifesting all the time. It's moral excellence. Now, when I think of excellence, you know, I'm a musician. I kind of think of musicianship. I think that it's something that's being practiced. When I play the piano and I do scales, it's to train my fingers to play the right keys at the right time. When I when I sing my, my warm-ups in the morning to get my voice ready for leading worship, it's so that my voice becomes familiar with the places that I want to ask for it to go in song, and it becomes something that over the course of time creates an excellence. And in the same way, our morality, our everyday behaviors, the decisions, that we do in our lives to make sure that we adhere to the word of God, it should have a moral excellence to it. It shouldn't just be haphazard. It shouldn't just be something that we, we just do it because, uh, you know, whatever, I'm just going to live my life as a Christian. And if I'm good some days, and if I'm bad some days, I'm just human. You'll have to deal with it. No, we don't get an excuse anymore. Excellence means that we are on call every day to live like Christ with a purity and with an excellence of heart that God can smile on obedience to God's Word and God's standard at all costs is our aim. And so I begin to look for other places that the word goodness is used in the New Testament. This specific Greek word in the New Testament. And so look at some of these other ones. Romans 15 14, Paul says this Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge able also to admonish one another. So he's saying he's confident of his brethren that they've got goodness in their heart, they've got knowledge in their mind, and they're able to encourage or uplift or train one another. Ephesians 5, 8 through 14, Paul says to the Ephesians for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now that's a transformation. If you've ever heard one, that's powerful. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. That's only the work of grace. That's powerful. He continues, walk as children of light for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. You see what happens when the fruit of the spirit and goodness, righteousness, and truth happens? It means that we find out what's acceptable to the Lord and then we don't have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but we begin to expose them and we expose them by living a life that is contrary to the darkness and teaches the goodness and calls out those dark things as the evil that they are and calls out the good things as the blessings from God that they are. So we begin to distinguish between right and wrong, between good and evil. Verse 12, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. So the Greek word there is a powerful study of understanding what the New Testament definition of goodness is, but I also looked up the Old Testament Hebrew word for good or for goodness. And, and it actually, it's it's pronounced tube. It's, it's spelled T-O-B-E. It looks like tobe, but it's tube. It's something that functions properly. Something that's pleasant and agreeable. The Psalm 23, 5 through 6, the famous Psalm 23, verse 5, he says, You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see that Old Testament Hebrew word is pronounced tube. It, it, it means something that functions properly, something that is pleasant and agreeable. In fact, the, the picture that comes with that, the The actual picture of the Hebrew letters, it's like a shelter. It's like a house. It's basically walls surrounding something on the inside, providing a protection and a favor around it. So when the Bible is talking about goodness, it's actually talking about the favor of God. And David is saying here that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, I don't know about you, but I want the favor of God in my life. King David is demonstrating that the goodness of God is transcendent. It's a way of living for God that keeps our eyes on Christ and above the chaos of our day. When we keep our eyes on God when we walk beside his still waters through the valleys and over the mountaintops, goodness and mercy follows us. God's favor envelops us. God's presence saturates us consistency and integrity become our reputation. People trust us. They know we're serious about serving Jesus and that we really believe what we preach. Because you see, it's not a religion now, it's actually our lifestyle, it's our filter, it's our foundation, it's our standard. And people around us can certainly tell. People respond more to the authentic, consistent upstanding of our hearts than the words of religion could ever elicit. It's interesting to note that many of the uses of good or goodness in the New Testament, now listen to this, they're in reference to what we can release through our lives because of the spirit living or dwelling in us. So, the New Testament goodness is about what we can have in us, coming out of us, whereas the Old Testament references to good or goodness are consistently describing God Himself. You can do a study through the Old Testament looking for uses and finding God described as good, integrous, consistent, working properly, full of mercy, and then we're filled with the Spirit and and then now we're called to goodness. And I got to thinking about that. I, I believe that this may be why Jesus spoke to the young man who called him good about there only being one who is good, God himself. Because you see, Jesus was talking to this man before the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. This was before the spirit infilling. But now because the spirit of God dwells in us, we can also be good. We can walk in goodness. Before we couldn't, but now we can because you see, goodness is a fruit of the spirit it's because he in us produces a son or a daughter that is working properly working in god's true definition of consistent goodness full of integrity and moral uprightness remember what it means it and means in the old hebrew good goodness it means something that functions properly now i'd never actually heard that definition of goodness before when i describe something as good you know say i'm i'm eating a good meal or I'm enjoying a product that I purchased that actually works right. I, I do. I define it as good, but I didn't really realize why. And and really what I'm saying when I when I say good, when I say this is good, is that this is what I expected. This is functioning properly. When I get into the vehicle and everything works just like it should, I fire up the engine, I turn on the radio, the heater works just right, or the air conditioner works when it's hot outside. I say, this is good. When it doesn't work right, I say, this is bad. This is not good. And so when you think about the word good or goodness, the fruit of the spirit of goodness, it means you're working properly. So let's look at a verse from the Old Testament about the goodness of God. Psalm 25, verse six. We're gonna read through verse eight. The psalmist says, Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindnesses, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. So I read that and I think to myself, wow, this is a definition of goodness or good that that now I can have because the spirit of God lives in me. And now to the glory of God, I can walk in this kind of goodness. I can build the same bridge that Jesus built. I I can lead people to his salvation by manifesting the goodness of God, by pouring out the good things and working properly in the ways of the Lord in a way that will demonstrate to the world that God is real. You see, once we're redeemed by the blood of Jesus, we now being infilled with the Holy Spirit are able to produce goodness as part of the fruit of the Spirit flowing through our lives. Remember John 15, 5, where Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. So remember that the Hebrew definition of good or goodness is actually something that functions properly. Something that functions properly. I personally love this definition for myself. I I think about that and it's really such a given to me, maybe to you too, that we would expect when we own something or that we do something that it would function properly. We want it to function right, we want it to be correct. There's nothing more disappointing than an expectation dashed because a product just doesn't live up to its description. I don't know if you remember this, back in the day they had those as seen on TV ads. It's, it's kind of like that, you know, sometimes they're just too good to be true. You know, the cleaner doesn't kaboom every stain. <laughs> or maybe the goo doesn't keep my boat from sinking or my roof from leaking as effectively as the advertisement says it would. Or maybe that suction cup just wasn't strong enough to hold my full size mirror on the wall. How disappointing and, and you know what, I even paid extra for the expedited shipping too. <laughs> You see, we expect things to hold up to their descriptions. And in the same way, the world expects Christians to hold up to the Bible's descriptions. You know, they actually want us to. Most people would really like to know what the truth is. And as a Christian that is functioning properly, we answer that question by the way we live. That's the manifestation of the fruit of the spirit of goodness. It's that we're dependable. In good times and in bad times, we are who we say we are. So I have a question: Are are you truly who you say you are? Does your lifestyle back up the description that you would say that you are? Are you Christ-like? Can people think of you and think of Jesus in the same definition and think that there is harmony between the two? You. Are who God's word says you are and you do things the Bible says to do. That's when you know you're dependable. That's when you know you're manifesting the goodness of God. You are absolutely true to your description. And the world around you can depend on you to be an accurate representation of what Jesus was like. They wanna know, they really do. People are watching. Have you ever noticed that unbelievers know exactly how Christians should be behaving? They'll tell you. And they can point out when we miss the mark, and they certainly do sometimes, don't they? How do they know what the definition is? It's really because they know deep down in their hearts, just like we do, according to Romans 1, that God really does have a standard. Romans 1 verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Every person with their God-given conscience knows right from wrong. And we have to work really hard to walk contrary to that. We have to try really hard to be contrary to the identity that Christ has put in us. And and we do that by sinning. We do that by willfully disobeying. We do that by contradicting God's word. And, and you know, I, I said it was hard. It's It's hard in the fact that it's contrary to who we were created to be, but it's easy in our flesh. And so we have to recognize that there is a battle that's taking place in our flesh, that we must surrender our heart to the Lord so that the goodness of the spirit can be flowing through us. You see, goodness means that we are doing what we were created to do. Did you know you were created for good work? Do you know that he actually formed you with his hands with an intention of what your assignment was to be? He gave you gifts. He gave you talents. He gave you life experience. And he gave you a mandate to go and preach the gospel. Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Not only were we prepared to do things for God, we were created to do good things for God. He prepared us for them. He created us for them. And the Spirit of God working through us should create in us a proper working order to accomplish those things. When our life says that things should kaboom, things should kaboom. (laughs) You know, when we say that we've got the spirit of God living in us, then we should walk like Jesus did. That's what the fruit of goodness is all about. Working properly. Working with integrity. What's integrity? What a powerful word. A word that's needed in our day. A day that sees people designing their own standards and judging one another by them. You know, I want my life aligned with the standards of heaven And then I wanna be found living by them consistently without fail. See, what's the definition of integrity? Integrity means that you are whole and undivided. You're whole and undivided. You're not double-minded. You're not tossed back and forth, up one day and down the other. You're consistent, healthy, whole, and single-minded after God. You've made up your mind ahead of time. You've made up your mind like Joshua did. It says in Joshua 24:15 and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord you see much of your goodness is found in the decision to follow the Lord before you are challenged you see you've decided You've decided this, if I face adversity, I will still serve the Lord and I will do it his way. And that means that your actions support the definition of your life. You're calling yourself a Christian and Christianity is more than just a title. It's actually your lifestyle. Christianity is not your pastime on Sunday mornings. Christianity is not the name you use to fill out a survey or a questionnaire next to your gender or your ethnicity. Christianity, Christ likeness, is who you are. Second Timothy 1 verse 12, Paul says this, for this reason I also suffer these things, Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Basically what Paul is saying is I know who I am and I've already decided I'm going to follow him until the moment I take my last breath and then I'll be with him forever and for eternity. You see, our circumstances don't change it. If anything, difficult circumstances cement our convictions. They only prove us more resolute. If we decide in advance, we will hold fast to the holy life that God has called us to. We can only do it through the spirit of God, because you see the spirit of God is always calling us up. He's always calling us to look up, to to pay attention to the transcendent things, to pay attention to the things that are higher than we are, which is God Almighty, Jesus seated at the right hand of the throne and the Holy Spirit now dwelling on the inside of us. You see, God has high standards. He has high moral standards, which is the definition of goodness is adhering to high moral standards. So we're seeing here that the goodness of God lived through us as the fruit of the spirit is our alignment with the high moral standards of God's law. I'm talking about the moral code of right living and right standing we are called to by the word of God, the unswerving, the unchanging, the undeniable standard of righteousness that God has not been unclear in providing for us. He's actually given us a road map. You see, there's two kinds of law that are found in God's word and specifically in the Old Testament. And people get real confused about these two things because we see a lot of laws that maybe today we don't adhere to, but then we see other laws that we do adhere to. And sometimes the question can come up, well, why do we obey some and not others? And it's because there's two different kinds of law that we see in scripture. And the first one I want to tell you about is the ceremonial law of the Hebrew people. Laws about cultural things. Laws about how they did sacrifices. Laws about how they cleaned things and how they operated in hygiene. Laws about how they washed their hands or not joining two types of fabrics together or not trimming the edges of their beards. They were exclusive to the Jewish people. These things were related to the cultural standards of the day. It was before the Gentiles were grafted in. It it was really something that God was using to kind of paint a picture of what he was doing as he was preparing to fulfill all of these ceremonial laws through the life and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. They were types and shadows of what God would do through Jesus. And then, There's the moral law. So there's the ceremonial law, then there's the moral law. This is the high standard moral conviction of God. This is the absolutes that stand the test of time before the time began to after time began. Doesn't matter Old Testament or New Testament. These things stand. The standard of morality that God has established for all mankind, not just the Jewish people, but Jewish and Gentile people alike. It starts... With the 10 commandments and it's the same now after christ came as it was before he came and these laws didn't change with the cross in fact jesus actually lived these laws and he calls us to them you can read them in exodus 20 even though there's some other places in the bible where you can see them but this is basically what god told the hebrew people these are the 10 commandments have no other gods before me don't make for yourself an idol don't take the lord's name in vain Keep the Sabbath, which is a day of rest, which we talked about that several podcasts back. You can look that up. Honor your father and your mother. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. And don't covet. You see, goodness, a life of goodness, a life of the Spirit of God flowing in goodness out of us through the fruit of the Spirit, is following God's moral law. See, many of us do our very best to adhere to God's moral law with all our own strength. But in doing so, we run the risk of turning our walk with God and our practice of our religion into a show, into a show of piety for the sake of our own pride and for the attention and the affection of men, that's why in our own attempts at goodness, we can taint the work of God. We, we can do the good things when it's easy, but we struggle with the good things when it's hard, and it's because we're doing it at our own strength. That's why before Christ, no man could be good. That's what Jesus told the young man that called him the good teacher. Now that we have Christ, we house the spirit of God inside of us, which means that the goodness we have is a fruit of the spirit. That means that our moral uprightness, our integrity, our holiness really is now centered on the heart of the law. See, there's a difference between the letter of the law just being head knowledge and then the letter of the law moving us to the heart of the law, which is this to love God and to love other people. See, one day Jesus was challenged about the law and challenged about how to serve God and please God. In Matthew 22:36 36 through 40, we see someone come along and, and challenge Jesus. He says, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Now, I love that because Jesus absolutely could have stopped right there and would have fulfilled this man's question. But Jesus realized that the heart of the law has an additional component. Verse 39, he says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. So what is our proper working order? My friends, it's, it's truly the two greatest commandments. If we're going to (laughs) work, just like the description says we should work, if we're going to be Christ-like, it's that we're going to love God and we're going to love people. That is the goodness of God. That is the fruit of the spirit of goodness. This is how we aim at the fruit of the spirit of goodness to flow out of our life consistently from this day forward until we pass from this earth. We love God and we love people. And we can't do that in our own strength. We truly need the spirit of God dwelling in us to make us good. But that is our proper working order. That's what the owner's manual says we should be like and through the spirit of God, that's what the owner's manual says we can be like. And so I want to encourage you, take this to the Lord in prayer and say, God, I know only you are good But you live in me, which means you can make me good as well. I want to operate according to the proper working order. And I want to live my life in a way that pleases you and honors you with all my heart. So I encourage you, friend, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Love God and love people. What an awesome calling that is. Fulfill the law of the Lord as your act of worship, because you are looking at the Lord from love and not just from works. And now he can use you to bring life and hope and strength, truly the fruit of the spirit flowing through you to others. Well, I hope you got something out of today. I hope this is something that can resonate in your thoughts and your prayers the next several days as we prepare To live for Christ with all of our heart and so. I just encourage you, add this foundation stone to your Christian faith and see God manifest great things in and through you in the name of Jesus. I love you, friends. I can't wait to see you again. And until next time, have an amazing day. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Join us next time for another deep dive into the foundation stones of our faith in Jesus Christ. For more information about Refuge City Church or to join our giving team to keep the gospel of Jesus Christ moving forward and making resources like this podcast available in to the future, visit refugecity.church.